On today's show, we take an updated look at the 2023 Calder race featuring Matty Beniers, Jake Sanderson, and many more. All coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, I break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakash. I'm a scout and prospect analyst across multiple platforms, including this one. I've got a great show for you today. We're going to be breaking down the updated Calder race for the month of December. Uh, now, we took a look at this last month, so I want to sort of see what's changed in the last month, who's gone up, who's gone down. So we're going to be breaking that as well. Then we're going to go through the runner-ups for the Calder race after we go and and look at the front runner for this race. Um, we're going to look at the uh, picks two to five for me, and the, and the guys I think are, are just behind you know, that first guy in terms of the, the front runners for the Calder race. And then we'll look at the runner-ups and why they haven't made the top five cut. Now, before we get into any of that, just remember to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and to follow us along on your favorite podcasting platform and make us your first listen of the day. It is always very much appreciated. So let's get right into it. I'm going to sort of break down for you why Maddie Beneers is the front runner for this Calder Trophy race. Now, Matty Beniers is up to 11 goals, 13 assists for 24 points in 30 games played so far on this season. He's been, you know, showcasing great production, uh, working really well on and off the puck for the Seattle Kraken. He's one of their top prospects, the top players in this, um, in the start of the season through 30 games. Uh, he's leading the rookie scoring race by three whole points. So, you know, he's ahead of everyone by a decent margin. Um, you know, he's dominating the rookie score sheet, but that's one thing. What's what Beniers is doing is he's already an elite defensive contributor. So um Jay Fresh is a um he, he makes player cards online for players who um you know have played a certain amount of minutes. He sort of puts out their their production and lays it out on paper using analytics, such as wins above replacement, which is a stat that sort of calculates how many wins um, you know, in average you're gonna be able to afford your team through your play. Um, so he, so Beniers is in the 97th percentile for even strength defensive contrib- contributions. So, you know, he's in the top 3% of any chellers in terms of what he does defensively for his team that involves, you know, stuff like defensive breakups, rush defense, um, chance suppression in his own zone, penalty killing play, that kind of stuff. And on top of that, he's in the top percentile of NHL forwards for penalty differential. So the difference between how many penalties you draw and how many penalties you take, uh, Matty Beniers has nine penalties drawn and only one taken so far in 30 games on the season. So he's very, very disciplined um, off the puck as well. Um, as we know, most penalties happen when you don't have the puck. Um, and Beniers is very, very disciplined in that area of his game. Now, I sort of want to break down the uh, biggest improvements in Matty Beniers' game since his draft year, uh, because there are many. Um, there are many areas that he's improved in the short time since he was drafted. Uh, he was the uh, second overall pick in the 2021 NHL draft, spent one more season in Michigan before making his way over to the NHL for the season. Um, well, he played a, a couple games late in, in last season, but re- this is really his sort of rookie year, his breakout year in the NHL. So for me, the biggest improvement since his draft year, first and foremost, he can take a hit now. That was an issue in his draft year. He's taken 59 hits this year, and 
no injuries yet. Um, thankfully, he doesn't get thrown on his back as often, which is the the, the main thing for me in this game that's improved. Um, there were many moments in his draft year where he would get leaned on and lose balance. He would he would take a big hit and and you know take a while to get off the ice, uh, that kind of thing. On top of that, his shot selection and his strength, uh, the strength of the shot, have greatly improved since his draft year. Um, he used to rely a bit too much on his passing game and kind of miss some clear cut chances to to shoot the puck. Um, but now he's actively looking to throw pucks on net. That's something that's really improved in his game. You know, it's, it's a tweak in his habits, but also the shot itself in terms of his velocity, its accuracy has improved. And on top of that, his skating stride actually improved. Um, specifically, I'm talking about his stride depth. So in his draft year, what I noticed from him a lot is that he tends to sort of hop a bit on the ice. His strides are a bit short. Um, so it's sort of just hop around on the ice and, and use crossovers a lot to build up speed. Um, but now with that added muscle, he's able to add, he's able to, to, to sort of take long, deep strides with quick succession, uh, which is something that's greatly improved in this game. Now, all these improvements are symptoms of added strength. And that's one main thing that's sort of happened in Benier's game is he added a lot of muscle in the, the year and a half uh, since his draft year. And, you know, I'm not a proponent of making a player's only development instruction um, to hit the gym. I don't think that's a good idea at all. But with Benier's a strategic muscle gain. So he's gained muscles in specific areas. His, his legs have gained strength. His core is more engaged. Um, and what that's done is it's made his shots so much better. It's, it's made him physically more capable of, of handling, you know, NHL physicality. And on top of that, his skating stride improved with that added leg strength. So... You know, what is what that strategic muscle gain has specifically done is it's taken the areas of weakness in Benier's game and made them more polished, more pro-ready. And that sort of rounded out his skill set and made him more uh, capable of getting involved for his team when he's not contributing offensively. So when even when he's not scoring points, Benier's is doing a great job of getting involved, of making plays, uh, stopping up pucks, you know, engaging in board play physically, that kind of stuff. So it's been really impressive impressive to see. So, you know, mentally and habits-wise, he was already a pro player. That wasn't something that was lacking from his game at all. His mentality, um, his mindset, and, and his thought process on the ice was really good, and his habits were really sort of professional. Um, so in this draft year, what my notes were was that first and foremost, his tenacity in all three zones was the big standout. It was the thing that made him sort of stand out from any other player. He was so intense that it wasn't just, you know, NHL average or slightly NHL, you know, above NHL average. This was sort of a, you know, an elite level of tenacity that he had. He never gave up on plays, consistently put in second and third efforts to get back pucks. On top of that tenacity, he had a lot of pro habits. So his delay game was really strong. He was comfortable distributing pucks to get them back in better areas, you know, playing give and go. He had great board play and forechecking angles, um, specifically the forechecking angles. It really made it sort of difficult for players to do the things that he doesn't want them to do. So he was driving pucks to where he wanted them, even when his opponents had possession. So he was controlling the play with the puck and without the puck. And that was one thing that was really impressive for Benier's game. And that's what made him, in my mind, a top four prospect in that draft. But his added strength just came and just sort of complemented and completed that skill set. I mean, he took what made him great and kept that. And without sacrificing any of what made him great, he added layers and layers to his his game and to a point where his he's become a lethal threat with the puck because he's added that shooting threat because he can't, he not only can, can shoot the lights up, but it can also use his shooting threat to open up passing lanes. And, you know, his physicality, his, his level of, of muscle and strength that he's added has made him more likely to get, to, to stay involved in play 
after he's been hit, after he's been involved in board play. He doesn't come out of those situations tired or, you know, hurt or that kind of situation. So he's getting more and more involved in play and he's extended the time in which he can be involved and, and do stuff on the ice just by being more ready physically for the NHL. Um, and on top of that, it's made his puck carrying more sort of dangerous because of that that better skating stride that he's developed. So now you have a player who is having a positive impact on shot attempts, shot on goals, expected goals, real goals, hiding your chances, literally any play driving metric that you can find. Um, he's got, you know, he, he's got a positive impact. He's affecting that that metric positively by his play on the ice. So the things that he's doing for Seattle right now are sort of, he, he's setting himself up to be the leader of that team, um, both on and off the ice. And it's really impressive to see him go about it. But that's it for Maddie Beniers in our first segment. I think I've more than, than you know, made time for him and, and explained sort of what makes him so good and what makes him the front runner for this Calder Trophy. Now we're going to go into the runner-ups, picks two to five, right after these messages. Do you like betting? BetOnline.net is your number one source for any wager that interests you. From the NFL to the NBA to the MLB and even NCAA football, UFC, golf, anything you like, they have you covered. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game on their website or app. They're, of course, a great source for all of your sports wagering information. With live betting, so you can keep up with bets as they unfold. Uh, they've got up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so moving on to the runner-ups for the Calder Trophy. Now, we're going to start with the first runner-up, so pick number two, in my opinion, for the Calder. Um, that's going to be Logan Thompson. Now, Thompson uh, is a netminder, a 25-year-old netminder for the Vegas Golden Knights. This is his rookie year. Um, he was he went undrafted in all three of his draft-eligible seasons, um, and he was playing Canadian University hockey up until 2018-2019. Um, he played in the WHL, and then when he aged out, he went, for, he went to Brock University, and played a year in their ranks at the U sports level. Um, put up good numbers, but by the end of the 2019-2020 season, he had earned his entry-level contract with the Golden Knights because he played really well in the ECHL, um, put up a really great season down there. He played one game for the Golden Knights in 2020-2021, but mostly he was dominating in the AHL with the Henderson Silver Knights. He had a 943 save percentage in 23 games played in Henderson. Really, really good numbers for him. But then the next season in 2021-2022, he played 19 games for the Golden Knights. He put up a 2.68 goals against average and a 9.14 save percentage for the Vegas Golden Knights. And sort of similar numbers in the AHL. So it really seemed like his, his game was really scalable to the NHL. You know, his numbers stayed more or less the same. They were obviously a lot more dominant at lower levels, like the U Sports level and the ECHL. But between the AHL and the NHL, there wasn't really much difference in terms of his playing, in terms of his numbers. Um and now he's the main starter for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he's got 22 games played on the season. He's got a 2.64 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage on the season. He's cooled down as of late over the last 10 games. He's about a 9.08 save percentage um, and a goals against average of, of about three. But he's has he just has a level of co composure and confidence about him in net that just screams starting netminder. I think he's going to sort of take that starting role by the horns and just run with it. Um, in, in Vegas, he's got the best number of any NHL rookie netminder who, who's um, who's playing regular minutes for their team. He's the only you know rookie netminder to have truly taken the starter role for their for their organization. 
And he's consistently finding ways to keep the Vegas Golden Knights in the game, um, in games that they really have no business being in. So he's he's my runner-up for the Calder, and it's, it's pretty clear-cut in his case. Then we move on to pick number three, and I'm going to preface this by saying that picks two and three between Logan Thompson and this next player was extremely tight. It was extremely difficult to, to make the cut. Now, the third player running up for this Calder Trophy, in my opinion, is Matias Michelli, a rookie of the Arizona Coyotes. He was their fourth-round pick back in 2019. I absolutely love this player. He was one of the first guys that I had my eye on in his draft here that I was wondering why no one was talking about. And 2019 was pretty much when I started scouting, um, when I really started to take things seriously and, and go about it. I've always had a love for prospects. So 2019 is when I really started considering making this a, a sort of career thing. And... He was one of the first guys that I that I sort of had my eye on and and sort of was talking about as a potential hidden gem in this draft. And, you know, I had him as an early second rounder at worst. I thought he, he could definitely be a first rounder. But, um, you know, I was I was sort of understanding that, you know, with his size, he was about five, nine, five, ten back then. Um, he wasn't really strong, but I could see the skill and creativity and vision so for me it was obvious that he was going to get passed on in the first round but i saw him you know as a guy who you can't let slip out of the second and he ended up slipping all the way to the early fourth to the arizona coyotes he's already one of the quickest players uh in the nhl and he's got a brain that more than keeps up with with his speed with his foot speed he's up to 22 points in 22 games on the season for the arizona coyotes um right now he's playing with i believe nick bukestad and lawson kraus so not the most skilled um center and winger for for him but he is driving play positively on almost every shift he's got 11 points in his last 11 games he makes his teammates look great by just consistently finding them in soft ice especially you know bukestad is really good at moving off the puck lawson kraus is the type of guy who's going to make space for both of them to play but uh him and bukestad have been connecting beautifully um you know over the last couple of games where they've been matched up and more importantly he never plays outside of his limitations he understands that he's not going to be the type of guy to win a board battle when he's when he's second to it he's going to let that work go to bukestad and kraus what he's going to do is dominate the play off the puck find pockets of space anticipate play off the puck try to cut off passing lanes that's his job and he does it beautifully but for me the best thing about michelli's game for me, it's a scanning. Um, he scans often and he scans accurately and he just constantly keeps a map of what's going on around him. It doesn't take many looks for him either to sort of understand his surroundings. And that allows him to constantly know what he's going to do before he even touches a puck. Uh, so before he even touches a puck, he's already aware of what his next move is going to be because he's scanned around him and, and knows where his teammates are, where his opponents are and what the right play is. In his last game against Montreal yesterday, um, he took one quick look over his shoulder and then he played a perfect pass to Nick Bukestad uh, behind his back, uh, right in the low slot. He identified that Bukestad's route was going to take him right to the net, took one look, a half second look. That's all he needed to identify that option, uh, played a perfect pass to him. It didn't go in, um, but he did end up getting a goal later on by using his speed to, to burn through the neutral zone and, and pretty much get a partial break on net. Um, so yeah, he's just so aware, so smart and so skilled on top of all that. And on top of that, he's developed speed over the last couple of years that no one saw out of him in his draft year. And that was one of the reasons why he slipped, not just the size, but the fact that his skating wasn't the absolute best, but now he's one of the quickest players in the NHL and has the brain to keep up with it. So it's really, really interesting to, to see him go about it again. He and Thompson were really tied at second overall. Uh, in my opinion, I think Thompson just edges him out because, um, you know, 
because Michelli hasn't really reached sort of first line quality minutes, uh, isn't facing the, the the top competition, you know, in the NHL. Whereas Thompson in his rookie year is is the starting netminder and by a wide margin for the Vegas Golden Knights. And then finally, two more players I wanted to mention. First, Jack Quinn, um, the eighth overall pick in 2020 of the Buffalo Sabres. Now he's been amazing. Um, there are players that are that are ahead of him in scoring that are, have not made the top five cut for me. He's only fifth in rookie scoring with 17 points in 26 games, but he's looked unstoppable some nights. Uh, his analytics are especially are insanely good. He's in the 97th percentile for wins above replacement overall, according to, to Jay Fresh's model. Um, so he's in the top three percentile of players for impact on the game. His expected goals for percentage is 57.61%. That is the best expected goal share on his team. He's five whole percentage points ahead of Dylan Cousins in second place on the Buffalo Sabres. So, you know, he's been playing in all scenarios for Buffalo. He's drawn nine penalties. He's taken zero. Um, he's working really well off the puck. But, uh, you know, what especially makes him so good is first, he's added a playmaking element to his game that wasn't there in this draft year. Um, He's used his shot in order to open up playmaking lanes, a bit like Matty Benier started doing, but him was the opposite process. Quinn's main main strength was the shot in his draft here was outstanding, and it still is, but he lacked that playmaking element, whereas Benier's playmaking was really good, but his goal-scoring touch wasn't as, as decent. So Quinn reverse-engineered it. He started applying the, the principles that make his goal-scoring so good, the fact that he's clinical, the fact that he's sneaky. He's taken those two elements and sort of applied them to his playmaking. So now... Um, he he uses you know his eyes in order to deceive not just the player in front of him but the netminder into thinking that he's going to shoot and then he opens up a lane laterally uh, without even looking at his at his teammate he's able to to strike a pass uh, laterally um, especially on the power play that's been really evident he uses his, his stick handling really well in order to draw a player in and slowly make them think that he's going to go for a shot. Um, but all he's doing is just waiting them out and opening up a lane cross ice. He's, he's connected on a lot of cross ice passes, so that's been really impressive. Um, he's added slip passes and area passes into his game that weren't there before. It's just been really, really impressive to see him go about it um, offensively. And then finally, for me, the fifth player in these Calder rankings would be Kalen Addison, right-handed defenseman of the Minnesota Wild. He has he's got 15 points and 30 games on the season. He leads all rookie defensemen in scoring and is tied for fifth among all rookie skaters. Now he is among the top power play quarterbacks in the league right now already. Um, first, he's got a great shot. Um, but the shot alone isn't good. It's the fact that he isn't afraid to walk into the high slot to shoot. He's a really smart playmaker on top of that, so he's able to get back pucks in dangerous areas, especially on the power play. He's got a really fluid stride, and he can walk the blue line really well. So all that combines to make him a really good offensive defenseman. But for me, he is a great example for prospects who want to play the offensive style but haven't sort of developed it yet for the specific reason that he never shoots from a standstill. And that's one lesson that every offensive defenseman or every every would-be offensive defenseman um, who, who's, who's watching NHL hockey should sort of take as a lesson from Addison's game. He's always either adjusting vertically by closing down on the net and playing give-and-go to get pucks back in the lower half of the offensive zone, or he's adjusting horizontally by walking the blue line um, in order to change the angle of his shot constantly. So whether he's moving vertically or horizontally, his objective is constantly to change the angle of his shot and the bottom line is NHL goaltenders can stop standstill shots from the point with their eyes closed and their hands taped behind their back. So you, ha you have to adjust to that. What works in the CHL doesn't work in the NHL. And Addison understands that really well. So he's able to constantly adjust his shooting lane in order to deceive netminders, in order to open up lanes for him to pass or shoot. 
Um, now I can't speak to how good Addison is defensively because I haven't watched much Minnesota wild hockey. Um, but offensively, he's amazing. His analytics defensively are about average. So that's something to consider. But for me, Addison has sort of stood out as the top defender from this uh, rookie class in the NHL. Now we're going to go into the uh, players who didn't make the cut and why right after these messages. All right. So to finish up this Calder breakdown, I wanted to talk about six prospects from this NHL rookie class of 2022-2023 who didn't make the cut and why they didn't make the cut. I'm going to start with a big name that I left out, and that's going to be Owen Power. Um, it's not just the score sheet. It's not just the fact that there are, there are many defenders who have uh, more points than him this season, but it's the fact that he hasn't really impressed me much in, 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 in general this year. He's been great offensively. Um, he's contributing to creating scoring chances for his team, especially at five on five. Um, he uses a short range passing really well to, uh, you know, slip passes through checks and to his teammates on breakouts, that kind of thing. But he hasn't been good enough defensively to my liking, and he hasn't been lights out offensively either. He can't score to save his life. He hasn't been good on the power play. Um, but he's 19, though, and players of his size who can skate that well, you don't find them everywhere, and that's why he was picked first overall. His, his combination of size and skill and, and skating was really tantalizing and, and really tipped the, the scale in his favor um, on draft day for the Buffalo Sabres, but... Um, what's promising for me, at least, is I know for sure that tall players in general, not just defensemen, but forwards as well, tend to take a lot of time to develop their tools to an NHL level. Uh, they tend to take more time to reach their ceiling, their potential. So I, I think the runway for improvement with power is huge. But this year, I don't think he's going to be sort of one of the guys that's in consideration for the Calder. He's got 10 assists in 29 games, no goals. Um, he's yet to, to sort of make his mark in the NHL offensively. Um, and, and is struggling defensively. So I think that he's going to be one of the guys that's left out of the Calder mentions um, once all said and done at the end of this year. Moving on, another player I think is going to miss the cut is Cole Perfetti. He is third in rookie scoring with 19 points in 31 games behind only Matias Michelli and Matty Beniers. Um, he's been a great playmaker, uh, but I, I feel like he's trying way too hard this year. Um, he, he takes so many shots from non-dangerous areas. He, there's a lot of throwing pucks to the slot blindly in this game that, that's kind of been concerning. Um, he's taken eight minor penalties so far as well on the season, which is a, a big sign of a player trying too hard. So he's facing tough competition this season, um, you know, facing a lot of the, the top six elements of opposing teams. Uh, and he's been pretty good defensively. Uh, his numbers are really, really good. And I think it's because there's rarely such a thing as trying too hard defensively. But he's playing every game like it's his last. And, you know, he has the skill. He has the hockey sense for the NHL. I, I think that he's more than capable of carving himself out a, a role based on his skill and his, and his intelligence. You can see how much effort he's putting in. And I feel like effort isn't something that's going to keep him in the NHL. It's not going to be his calling card. What's going to be his calling card is his skill and, and intelligence. So he's, he's missing out on a chance to... To, to really make his mark as a top six player, you know, but by making smart plays rather than trying as much as he can to put the puck in the net, regardless of, of what the right play is. So that's the thing for me that keeps him out of the top five, but he's, he's not been bad by any means. Again, 19 points in 31 games as a rookie is not bad. Moving on to Mason McTavish, who's the third player I think misses a cut. He's fourth in rookie scoring. He's a bit of a, in the same situation as Perfetti, where he's trying too hard and he hasn't found his groove yet in the NHL. Hasn't really found his niche or his spot. Um, you know, he's got four goals, 14 assists for 18 points in 32 games. For a player whose biggest asset offensively is a shot, 
Um, it's kind of weird to see him only have four goals in 32 games, despite, you know, obviously it's his rookie season, but that's something that I think um, sort of indicates to me that there's something not perfectly translating in this game so far. Um, on top of that, contrary to Cole, Cole Perfetti, Mason McTavish has been struggling defensively um, a lot, in fact. Uh, he, he's one of the, the the worst players in the NHL right now in terms of defensive impact, uh, you know, if you look at it analytically. He's very good on the power play, though. He is able to move pucks around really well. He has a really, really good shot that creates a lot of rebounds. Um, you know, he's able to man the power play extremely well, and he's getting his chances with Anaheim, but um, there's something lacking from his game in terms of the translatability of it and, you know, the fact that he's trying really hard uh, to, to, to do things and it's, it's actually kind of hindering his game. It's kind of the same sort of situation as Perfetti. So both of them, I think, don't make the cut, despite having more points um, than uh, Jack Quinn so far, who, who is fourth overall in my rankings. Moving on, we've got Shane Pinto, who was the second round, the, the first pick of the second round in 2019 for the uh, Ottawa Senators. He's got a really good shot. He's a great player in all three zones. He's consistently facing some of the top elements on the on the opposing team, but his production isn't enough, uh, in my opinion, to push him into the top five. He's got 10 goals and five assists in 32 games so far on the year. Um, but he's going to be a really, really good two-way center for years to come, though. Uh, I think the Ottawa Senators have, have a gem in Pinto. He does a lot of very small things that are extremely translatable that, that you know, carry really well to the NHL. So he's going to be one of those guys who, for years to come, is going to have a really, really good two-way defensive impact for that team on top of offering some really good goal scoring because his shot is really good. Then there's two more defensemen I wanted to look at. First and foremost, Jake Sanderson, you know, staying on the topic of the Ottawa Senators. He's been a monster this year. Uh, he's really good in his own zone. He's a breakout machine, um, does really good things in order to take the puck from the defensive zone into the offensive zone. But like Shane Pinto, the production isn't all there. And he, on top of that, he can't score to save his life. He's got a goal and, and 11 assists for 12 points in 31 games so far for the Sens. Um, but he's he's got a bright future. I think that his offensive game is slowly becoming a, a, a top strength. I don't think he's going to be sort of a, a number one defenseman for the for, for the longest time, but I think he's going to be a really, really good number two to Thomas Shabbat. Those two are, are probably going to be playing you know a lot of minutes together. Um, I, I think that Sanderson's game is mainly the fact that he is so smart, so intelligent. He's efficient, in a word. Um, you know, where a player like Quinn Hughes is flashy and skilled, I think that Jake Sanderson's efficiencies was going to sort of be his calling card to the NHL. I think he's got top pair potential for sure. Um, but I think his offensive potential is kind of limited by a lack of flash, a lack of, of dare. Um, and, you know, his shot is, is pretty limited in terms of what it can do, the damage that it can do. So, you know, I, I really like Jake Sanderson, uh, but he, he screams number two defenseman uh, for me in a couple of years. Then finally, another defenseman in Caden Gooley, who misses a cut. He's 20 years old, and he's facing Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. Um, you know, every night he's facing the top guys on the other line and actually shutting them down successfully. Um, he's an insanely good rush defender. He's smart in his own zone. Now, he needs to sort of limit his panic uh, with the puck, but what I really like is that he added some offensive layers to his game. He activates a lot more into the offensive zone. 
Um, that's something that he added, I think, in his final year in the WHL. I think that year was really pivotal for his development. He become he became more daring with his offensive activations, especially once he um, was traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL. That's when you saw Gooley sort of come out of a shell and try a lot more things offensively, and that that I think unlocked a lot of uh, his offensive potential. But it's the same thing as Jake Sanderson, where he can't score for the life of him. He's got a goal and 12 assists uh, in 32 games. Um, so so that kind of limits him. But I really think that Gouley's going to be sort of a number two, number three defenseman in the future. He's got a lot of really, really good defensive elements. And he's extremely punishing physically as well, which is, which is something you always like to see from a 20-year-old who's playing his first year in the NHL. But that's going to be it for the uh, Calder breakdown and for today's episode. Now, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe and make us, um, you know, a regular listen of yours. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. They've got all of your uh, updates and news of the latest games from last night. Uh, They'll talk you through what happened recently so you can talk about it at your water cooler um and and sort of come out as the smartest guy at your workplace uh regarding sports now this has been locked on nhl prospects with hattie kalakesh and i hope you tune in next time